Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or tea. I got my IDGAF-ish today cup. I won't tell what anybody, I won't tell anybody what that means, but Debbie Tibbetts to meal, you do, <laughs> since you sent me that cup. And uh, it's one of my favorite little memes that come out, really, this little dog, little uh, wiener dog. And uh, I think her name's Matilda and she cracks me up and Debbie sends me things all the time with her in it. And so I thought it would be fun to have her cup this morning. I hope you all are having a great day after a weekend that was for me at least uh, filled with different triggers and getting things done. I managed to get quite a bit done actually for a weekend that was also meant to be for rest, uh, but I had a lot to catch up on. So I took the time to catch up. So today we are going to be talking about what lies ahead for the week, because this is another high energy week with a lot of kind of crazy uh, transits happening. And of course, the biggest event of the week is the presidential inauguration. And that is happening on the day that is sort of the culminating point of a lot of crazy energy or a lot of in, uh, dynamic energy, let's call it that. And then uh, we'll go through what's going on today. And then happy Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday to all of you out there. I know a lot of people get this day off, especially federal workers and school kids and banks. Uh, unfortunately, my husband doesn't get this day off. They don't choose to celebrate this holiday. But um, in, the, in the meantime, I'm going to celebrate this holiday today. Uh, because I thought, wow, you know, Tom, Tom Wright had given me an idea. Remember, I asked for ideas from people. And he said something about doing charts for countries or events, things like that. Well, then today I thought, well, maybe I'll take that idea one step further. And we'll look at a human design chart of Martin Luther King and see what we can find there that would predict who he would turn out to be, and how the memory of him lives on through being immortalized in uh, a day off that is on the calendar and beyond, besides other things too, not just that, but the fact that there is this holiday devoted to him and his life and his work um, is in his human design, which I find interesting. So let me go quickly over to YouTube, make sure everything's broadcasting like it should. I see myself there. Good deal. Good morning, Kathleen Mallory. And JLo, hello to you. Debbie Tibbetts, Tumiel, good morning. And she says, JLo says, yes, that will be awesome. I thought it was a great idea, but I felt a little, here's one of my little trigger points is I felt inadequate to the task of being able to do readings like that because I don't normally do them. I do them for live people in the moment that they request a reading for 2021, for their birthdays, for relationships, or for whatever it is that I'm doing the reading for. And I'm very comfortable with that. So when, Tom, you mentioned doing things for countries or events, I mean, I was like, Eek! that's not my forte. Country isn't a person. How do I detail that? Those planets mean different things. So I got all up in my head and I've been sitting with this idea. It's been percolating, Tom. So it's not like I completely lost it, but it's been percolating. But today offers me an opportunity to be able to share something from hindsight, but as well from a birth chart 
of who Martin Luther King Jr. was here to be. And did he live out the highest and best of his, his destiny? And I think you're going to be surprised at how well he really did live out his destiny. But let's go back and start with what is going on today. Today is actually a sort of tween day. So we're between the energy that began yesterday with Jupiter in a square to Uranus, which is sure to bring up some things for people. Jupiter is a planet of growth and expansion, and Uranus brings surprises and awakening. So awakening through uh, some kind of growth or uh, evolutionary opportunity, or is it growth and evolution through some kind of trigger or opportunity or awakening uh, or surprise or shock that happens? So uh, because Jupiter is a planet that rules the culture or the, the social sphere, it is more um, transpersonal than personal and not yet the collective. So somewhere in here, Jupiter and Saturn tend to really represent what's going on in the culture of the time or in the social uh, culture of the time. So what we have is an awakening going on here through uh, the cultural um, uh, dynamics that we're in. And I mean, if anybody's surprised by that, I don't know where you've been because on this planet right now, there's a whole host of things that are changing up the paradigm. And we're seeing the backlash from groups that have felt marginalized or we're seeing the, uh, the extraordinary measures that people will go through to get heard and uh, be valued. Uh, so what we're, we're really kind of learning an heiress message here and also a message of inclusivity. And that goes along with a lot of the energies that are in the planetary energies that are in uh, the sign of Aquarius right now. So today though, the moon has moved into the sign of Aries. So it really is only the moon that is uh, stirring up any energy. There's no new major aspects to talk about today, but Jupiter squaring Uranus doesn't go away, right? It just doesn't go away. That sort of energy uh, has been in the building phase for, gosh, since the new year. So we have been watching as Jupiter ticked ever closer, as Saturn ticks ever closer to the exact square or challenge or 90 degree angle with the planet Uranus, who happens to also be closing in on a conjunction to Mars and is also sitting really close to the black moon Lilith, which represents our collective shadow energy, the shadow fears that we're holding on to. And uh, that is all happening even though we're not at the exact moment of some of those things, we've been being affected by those energies literally since, uh, I almost think since the winter solstice when Jupiter and Saturn made their conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius. But then every day since it has been ticking ever closer to these exact um, things. So it's not like this is necessarily new, right? We've been sort of sitting with this insurrection, this revolution, this uh, conflict uh, energy for a while. It's not, it shouldn't be a surprise or new to anybody uh, that there is something rippling through the collective, through the society we live in at this point in time that is calling to our attention some shadow energies, 
but also the call to change, right? The call to change and everywhere that we're holding on to something old or we are caught up in a mind game, these are the places where we're being shaken apart, where we're being shaken out, right? It's like shaken and stirred and then dumped out. So today with the moon in Aries, it'll be the moon that's doing the, the shaking and uh, the changing as in Aries. This is feminine energy, the moon feminine, the sign of Aries masculine and its ruling planet Mars also taking a very center stage right now in the dynamics that we're living through. But today's energy is really good for gaining momentum, gaining momentum in a project that maybe you've been working on, gaining momentum in your own learning or in your own evolution. Uh, but to what end? That's the question that I had to ask myself this morning as I looked at that. What I'm looking at is a sextile to Saturn and Jupiter from the moon today. Sextile is an ease and a flow of energies coming together where the talents, the gifts, the skills of, of the two planets in relationship to the moon work really well. So while that's good energy for gaining momentum in our personal lives, perhaps, these are societal planets. They're not personal planets. So while the moon is personal, Saturn and Jupiter are not. So what dynamic is gaining momentum in the uh, dynamic of our culture or in the uh, in society at large at this point? Remember, Jupiter tends to magnify and make things bigger. Saturn tends to contract, but also limit. So there's a possibility that there's some, you know, real big changes in the offing or some big events in the offing, and we know that there are, but also Saturn acting as a bit of a limiter here, who is sure to bring down the karmic scythe should we choose to do things uh, that are not in keeping with peace and love and compassion, but also freedom and moving forward, the spirit of moving the dynamic of our world forward. So the moon in Aries brings us new beginnings or the possibility of blazing new trails and moving in new directions. It is initiating energy and any planets in Aries tend to initiate something. As Mars spent six months in the sign of Aries from June until just recently, like last week, um, we've seen a very long-term transit of triggers and catalyzers and things that, that lit the fuse of something, the match that lit the fuse, right? And that is initiating action. And it is also a sign, Aries is, of self-focus. So it's about the physical body and what we do with our physical body, the uh, instincts for survival. And it is also a sign that is downright assertive if not aggressive. So we have to watch for those tendencies to push, to force, and to create conflict, and uh, to do that in an aggressive way. And that's happening with everybody, even within yourself, you may be feeling some of those energies, but certainly those people in the outer world who don't pay a whit of attention to astrology, uh, will also be at the feeling of that energy and hopefully choose to not use it in impulsive and radical ways, but choose to use them in ways that are important for the dynamic, but not creating as much chaos. We shall see. Uh, as also in the sign of Aries, there's immaturity. Um, we can call it innocence in some ways because there is a tendency to be so 
new and so impulsive that you're innocently moving forward with something and it gets out of hand, right? It grows out of control, like a fire, right? You start a little campfire and then a gust of wind blows it, embers out to the trees and next thing you know, a forest is on fire or a power line drops and it starts a forest fire. At first it's small, but the embers get fanned by winds and it becomes a conflagration. That's the potential here with the moon in Aries. But it is also a sign of any, almost any word that you can put after self, self-discovery, self-exploration, self-reliance, self-sufficiency, self-direction. It is really a good sign for us taking stock of who we are, where we are, and where we want to go, and then taking the risks to move forward in our personal lives. It is a sign of independence as well, where we are meant to learn the lessons of how to stand on our own two feet, but learning to stand on our own on our own two feet at this point is also being taught in interdependence through Chiron's presence in Aries and also the preponderance of planets right now moving into Aquarius, which understands that principle very deeply, this thought of interdependence, how one strengthens another or one can weaken another. So we have a lot of interacting energies here that are hopefully helping us to see the light that we are all on this planet together and whatever one does affects the other. And that as we are interdependent, we have to have mutual goals that move us in a good direction. So while this sign is about into independence, uh, it is teaching us how we are also interdependent and releasing us hopefully from codependence, which, which would be uh, the other end of the sign, right? So Aries opposite sign is Libra. So that is one of the challenges through Libra is codependence. This is also a sign that likes autonomy, likes to be their own boss and likes to move in their own direction, free of encumbrances. That sort of resonates in Aquarius energy as well. So we have some energies there that are matching, uh, helping us to move along in a free way. There's also the warrior nature here. This is a sign that is ruled by Mars, the god of war. And the god of war is being highly activated as we move on into the week. He's been activated for a while. He's actually coming to his culmination point of activation. And then he will, as time goes on, move more quietly into other parts, other signs, helping us to carry out some of these very big energies of change into uh, other parts of our lives. Uh, but for the meantime, that warrior nature embodies courage and leadership and strength and boldness, being able to move forward in bold new ways. But I would say healthy new ways and not in revolutionary, hurtful, explosive ways, right? We have to balance those crazy impulsive type of energies with uh, boldness being, you know, having the courage to move in a new direction. The negative side, we always have to deal with the more negative side, because it is, you know, the spectrum through which we uh, express ourselves. And the more negative side of Aries energy with the moon in Aries is triggering selfishness, or vanity, or anger, or impatience, where we felt we've been stuck, right? We may just 
break with tradition. We may just break with uh, our our better senses, our instincts, and do things in unpredictable sort of ways. In the body specifically, Aries rules the eyes, the head, the face, the scalp, the brain, and is uh, somewhat indicated in headaches, dizziness, migraines, that type of thing. So if you're out there and you're starting to experience that the moon is in Aries and it might be a call for you to cool down, right? To maybe get outside and uh, ground yourself. I'm looking at an almost sunrise. That's kind of fun. And, uh, you know, put your feet in the dirt, put your feet on the ground, um, do some meditation, things like that. So Aries energy being the one that's a trigger sort of energy. Luckily, we don't have Pluto. Well, we do have Pluto there, but we are being squared there from Capricorn, but we no longer have Saturn and Jupiter and Pallas Athena that uh, create a very heavy square when the moon moves through there. So while I, I think there's tempered um, movement forward, right? Tempered forward momentum which I think is a good thing right now. So the moon is in Aries all the way through. I didn't, I meant to look at that all the way through uh, 1057 AM, my time on Wednesday, the date of the inauguration, which means that is actually 157 PM. So the moon will be in the closing degrees of Aries during the inauguration. And you know, those closing degrees have been the most volatile degrees uh, over time, in, especially through 2020, even into 2021. So it, it adds that volatility to Wednesday. So the moon being placed there and then uh, transiting over from Aries into Taurus in the early degrees of Taurus, which is going to trigger Uranus. So, and uh, Saturn and Jupiter. So it's going to be an interesting day on the 20th, but let's look ahead at the week. First of all, let me go see if I have questions there. Asa, are you out there this morning? I didn't get a chance to text you this morning. She is out there. Good morning, Mimi. And Debbie says, intention is everything. And thank you, Debbie. And uh, Kathleen Mallory, uh, I'm not sure. Oh, three thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thank you. If you are enjoying the video, please hit the thumbs up button. That's a good, good thing there. JLo says, I have my friendly Chiron there, have made peace with that and now understand why it is there. It is, it is, it is. Um, and Elise, good morning. Elise, uh, Elisa, good morning. It's good to see everybody. All right, so now let's take a peek ahead at the week's energies. And, you know, the, January, we knew going into January that it was going to be a little bit dodgy, <laughs> wild, a little bit, you know, extraordinary. Um, and this week is not an exception, right? Last week was not an exception. The first week uh, the where the sixth was, not an exception, right? These weeks are kind of a bit crazy. So the week ahead of us now is still being affected by yesterday's Jupiter square Uranus. I think I said that in the opening this morning. It's still in effect today. It's still in effect tomorrow. And Jupiter square Uranus is where there is this revolting or this revolution or this rebellion going rippling through society. And it's about change, right? It's about a new dynamic coming in or new potential coming in. And because we are creatures of habit, we tend to resist that which is coming. We see the handwriting on the wall and we're like, no, no, let's backpedal. Let's go back to the good old days. 
uh, I even find myself at times wishing, you know, hey, what happened? Let's go back to those innocent days before, you know, a bunch of other stuff happened. And we can't do that, right? We can't do that. Those things are in the past to help us move, to inform us of how to move forward into the future. So this week, Jupiter squaring Uranus is going to remind us of that. Tomorrow, Tuesday, the sun will move into the sign of Aquarius, adding his very formidable energy to Aquarius, where we already have Jupiter, Saturn, Pallas Athena, and Mercury. So now we add another planet to the mix. We are really seeing that stellium in play, really anchoring in those Aquarian ideals and seeing what's possible instead of just what's right in front of us. So we have potential, we have possibilities. And now with the sun here, our focus turns to what does that mean, right? What does that mean for us? And how do we apply those new concepts in our world or in our lives? So we have that happening. On Wednesday, of course, we have uh, Mars conjuncting Uranus. And that's that explosive energy that I've been talking about. Mars conjuncting Uranus. Mars is the catalyzer. He's not in retrograde anymore. So he is not being hindered. He's a little bit slow burner in Taurus. Uh, but remember, he has momentum behind him. He has built up all this momentum and it is coming into contact with a planet that is known for uh, shock, for awe, for surprises. I hope the surprise is that everything goes off peacefully and that somehow the madness of the last few weeks gets tempered and all voices become valued and heard and we move forward as human beings in a way that listens to the collective and values uh, the voices of the collective, even the ones we don't want to hear, because there's something there that's valuable for all of us. So that's the high side of this particular energy. The low side is another sort of uh, January 6th kind of day. Added to that, though, is the moon on that day, as I said, uh, when we were talking about the moon in Aries, and it's in the later degrees of Aries. So it will come into a square with Pluto and the sun and Uranus and um especially later in the day when it moves into Taurus. It's just sort of one characterized energy to another. And it's all about explosion, explosions, big changes. I was looking at the energy of the sixth because I had pointed out to you all that Monday uh, on the fourth that there was trickiness because the moon was in Libra that day. And Libra also squares the uh, placement of planets that are in uh, Capricorn. And indeed that day, the, the moon was squaring the sun, the moon was, which was also in Capricorn and the moon was squaring Pluto. So we have uh, a commonality between that day and the 20th and that is the moon in a square to Pluto, which then goes on to, to square uh, the sun and Uranus in, uh, different signs, right? Different signs. So uh, we have a very busy day that day. That's all I can say. And it's not, it's building, right? It's building to that. Then we get to Thursday and the moon then conjuncts Uranus and conjuncts Mars. So the moon, Uranus, and Mars all together. 
on uh, the day after the inauguration. I think that's going to be a highly energetic day. The moon is also squaring Jupiter and trining Venus that day. So we have this kind of trying to bring everything back down, energy trying to smooth itself out. But we have some highly activated energy. And I, as I looked at that, I, was, I had seen an article uh, come across my feed about uh, Biden and what his like top 10 things of action that he wants to take his first day in office. And I'm wondering if the moon there is just giving the impetus to all of these actions that he wants to take. But, you know, if I look into my crystal ball, there's probably a lot of what ifs uh, to that day as well. On Friday, Mars then squares Jupiter, another sort of potential for a dynamic of of explosions or of the possibility that something something good comes out of this, I, I'm not sure. It, to me, when I looked at that, it was, uh, God, can we not catch a break, right? Can we not catch a break here? But we do have a break built in that day as it is also the first day of the human design new year. And Jupiter changing gates that day to the gate 19, which sits down on the uh, root center. And it's called the gate of sensitivity or the gate of attunement. Uh, it gives us access to sensitivity in terms of psychic energy, um, becoming more compassionate even, more in tune with one another. So I think that maybe is the saving grace there for Friday's energy. Saturday, Venus is in a sextile to Neptune and Sun conjuncts Saturn. There's a little bit of a heaviness then to the ending of the week as we start to feel the effects perhaps of the things that have been happening uh, as it dawns on us that there has to be more, there has to be another way. Uh, and Venus in a sextile to Neptune may recall us to universal love or unconditional love. So Saturday looks pretty good that way. And then Sunday, the moon in Gemini will square Neptune in Pisces. And a square of any planet to Neptune tends to make us look at challenges through the eyes of spirit. So perhaps we can elevate by the end of the weekend and see ourselves in a new way or really try on a new dynamic as we you know, are not able to go backpedaling anymore. It's a rush pushing us into the future via the now, right? Via the now, instead of what had happened in the last few years, which was hearkening us to the past um, and trying to rush the past forward. Now we're trying to push, be pushed into the future, uh, but we're still a little bit lagging in that way, but probably not for much longer. Questions, comments, I'm heading over here to see what everybody's thinking. Uh, Mimi, move into the new normal, indeed. Uh, Kathleen Mallory, the new normal, yes, indeed, the new normal. Um, but, you know, I dare say that Saturn and his position in Aquarius, he still anchors the good from the past. It's not like we're dumping everything we've ever known, um, including what was good. Uh, it's not that at all. It's that I think we really see that if we don't make some key choices now, if we keep getting caught up in this discord and this conspiracies and the, the ideas that you know uh, people are divided and all of that, if we keep getting caught up into that, 
it's like a, wearing a, a noose around your neck and you're just waiting, you're, you know, dog paddling in the water, trying to hold yourself up. Eventually you're going to get tired. Eventually that's going to fail and you're going to drown. So in, instead of treading water at this point in time, um, you know, waiting for the old to come back, we have to really make some key decisions about how do we step fully into the future. And that's happening on every level that you can imagine, interpersonally, in the governments, in every system that you can think of, in our idea of a globe, in global weather patterns, in how we, uh, uh, agriculture, and how we grow food, and uh, you name it, right? How we take in the energies from one another and what do we do with those energies do we do we become more response able right instead of reactive which right now is a place that we have been struggling mightily with right that idea of reaction you say something i react and yet if i had waited and just thought this through and breathed through it then that email that i was going to send that was ugly doesn't get sent, right? I can change that energy. Those words that I wanted to say don't get said because I'm tempering them. I'm breathing through them. Those actions that I wanted to take that were seemingly revengeful or um, ugly don't get taken because I'm breathing, right? I'm breathing and then responding instead of uh, doing it from the old way. So lots of cool stuff here for us. If we respond, not react, right? React. Okay. Uh, okay. Questions. If you have them, Asa will get them to me because now I'm going to go back to Zoom here and I'm going to share my screen of Dr. Martin Luther King's chart, which I, his human design chart, we'll, we'll do a little bit of his astrology as well. Um, but that one, I'm being a blonde here. Okay. Share the screen, Janet. Okay. There we go. Uh, his astrology isn't as accurate because we don't have an accurate birth time. So a lot of what we do is assum assuming. And uh, that means the moon, which is a big trigger in, in uh, events in one's life is not as accurate. It could be six degrees, you know, either way. And uh, so human design is much more forgiving when we get to the idea of uh, a chart. So I thought human design might be a good way for us to look at Dr. King's chart. So first off, uh, in human design, when we are doing a reading for a person, uh, we step back. And by the way, somebody asked me the question, did I answer this already? Someone asked me the question, if uh, countries have human designs. My first thought was, well, no, because these are about live animals and people that have energies. But there's a sort of consciousness in a country or a consciousness in a, a continent or a planet. And so perhaps there is. And indeed, um, it turns out that America, United States of America, is a 1-3 profile. So if it has a profile, it must have a human design. So uh, I'll be looking that up as well, because I think that might be interesting for us to look at at some point. Uh, but for right now... The first thing that we do when we look at a human design chart is we kind of get a feel, like we look around the chart and we look at all the different qualities of the chart. So general look here, I see this Dr. King was a manifesting generator. He's carrying the archetype of manifesting generator, right? Uh, gate 34 on the sacral, 
right up to the throat center. So he is a powerhouse in response to something that is showing up in his world. So when he's in response to something, in other words, not generating something from inside, but when something outside matches what he's been thinking about, then he is very powerfully able to take it and enact it. So he was a powerhouse. We already have that right here, right? Then uh, the next thing I take a look at is uh, what kind, where is his um, authority? His authority would be shown through a center that is defined. Uh, either the emotional center, the sacral center, the spleen, um, and in some cases the ego or the uh, the heart center or the uh, identity center. But those are all open for him. So the defined centers that are here are the sacral and the spleen. And I would bet he has splenic generated authority. That means he is instinctive and intuitive in the moment. When there is something for him to respond to, or when there was something for him to respond to, he instinctively knew what to do, whether to do it, and who to do that with, where to do that, etc. As long as he was in trust of his instincts and trusting or surrendering to his higher power or to a higher power, he would find himself in the right place, right time, right people, um, for the right experiences. Now, the other thing I would look at is at first I would look at the lines that the sun and the earth um, are in. He would be a 5-1 profile. The 5-1 profile is a visionary leader with resources, right? A visionary leader, karmic mirror, right? The, kar the fifth line profile always plays the role of the karmic mirror, which serves to show the highest possible to the um, uh, collective and also the most ugliness to the collective. So the karmic mirror is about us projecting outward onto the fifth line leader, um, our uh, problems or blaming him or shaming him or making him the, the responsible party. But he stands as the karmic mirror showing us where we were out of alignment with our own principles of say equality, right? The very foundation of our constitution, uh, equality and equal rights. And he really stood as the karmic mirror to show us where we were not in alignment with that. So his profile already set him up as a visionary leader with the resources, the information, the ideas, the possibilities uh, that he would be able to show us something very profound uh, about our humanity or about our values, about what it is that, that we were doing in, in our country. Now, the other thing, the most important, I think, thing that we can look at in retrospect in a person's chart is going to be the channels that they have defined in their chart. And he, because the defined channels, I think, I, other people in human design do this too, these are your superpowers. So wherever you have a defined channel, this is broadcasted energy. So you're broadcasting something that's unique to you and is powerful in its expression because it is unique to you, but also because it's defined. And he has uh, four defined, one, two, three, four defined channels. He has the manifesting generator channel, which is the 3420. He has the channel of logic here. It's called the channel of formulation, the gate 17 down to the gate 16. 
62, which you can't see, it's right here, 62. 16 is literally this one that goes over this way. So the gate 62, and then he also carries the 2750, which is an expression of the divine feminine. So he's carrying the expression here, which is about sustenance, about the equal distribution of uh, goods and services, of, of equality, of nurturing, teaching, cooking, feeding, clothing. Um, he's got all of that very nurturing energy here. And the uh, 2838, which is primarily about struggle and fighting the right battle. It's called the channel of meaning in quantum human design because it's about finding the correct things to fight for. Now, let's go deeper into each of these channels. And I'm doing this from the top down. That's no particular order of strength or effectiveness because they're all defined. So they all make up his definition. Now, what I want you to notice, this is just from a human design rep's eyes, right? So you guys might not notice this as much as I did, um, but that right here at the gate 17, it's striped, which means that gate 17 makes a multiple appearance in his life. In fact, his Uranus on the, design, on the uh, personality side was at gate 17. And in on the life purpose side, it was also at gate 17. So he has a very powerful Uranus awakening, spiritual awakening uh, that is about testing a new theory, right? Putting out new ideas of uh, that can be opinions, but as you can see, because it connects here, he was a very learned man. I mean, he, he was probably brilliant in his own way in, in the information that he had at his fingertips and the detailed uh, th way that he could speak to a subject. And I mean, most of us were probably very young, if not born yet at the time of Dr. King's um, life. And I mean, I, I barely remember anything about his life from that time. I mean, I think I was three years old or so, uh, four years old, maybe when he passed away, when he was killed. And so I don't remember from um, school, you know, being taught much about what was going on here. So in looking and in a hindsight sort of way, or, you know, they always say 2020 hindsight, what we can see here is that his I have a dream was coming from this channel, the 17 to the 62. Uh, his gate 62 was actually his earth, right? Earth was sitting there in his chart. So it was grounding in this, these new ideas, these new possibilities. And he wanted to test the waters. He was pushing us to get beyond where we had been. And he was able to gather the details and the information and, and to use words in a way uh, to explore the idea or the dream. What if we had a world of equality? What if I woke up tomorrow in an America where all people had equal rights and equal opportunities and liberty such as the constitution uh, was written for? So the idea I have a dream was really an, the beginning of an experiment. And the 17, I'm getting chills all over me as I talk about this. I think I'm channeling him here. This was an experiment in um, equality in actually walking our talk and living from our stated values. 
And so that came from the 1762 uh, that was in his chart. Now, if we go down the line to the 3420, here's the next aha that I had. The next three channels are all on the design side of his uh, human design, which is not his sole purpose, but his life purpose. So his life purpose was encoded in very powerful channels. And so what we could say is, in, in retrospect especially, is that he was living his life purpose, right? He was on purpose. And even in the living and in the, the uh, work that he did and in his dying, he lived out his life purpose. So feel good that he wasn't cut short in his life, even though he was technically, but he lived out his life purpose and he passed the torch on to the people that came after him. So let's look at the 3420, which is a very highly activated um, channel in his chart. It is called the gate or the channel, excuse me, of responsive power. This is where he would need to trust that the opportunities to lead would present themselves to him and in the right timing with the right people. And here, which he would show up as a leader with sustainable life force energy because the 34 is very busy, 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 and it would sustain his ability right to the throat. It would sustain his message. We see that even in his death right to the moment here today, his message has endured, right? His message had wings, it flew, and it endures. And that is sustainable life force energy in action, even though the body of this individual has, you know, long since left the planet. So we have sustainable energy that he would be able to use for opportunities that presented himself, presented themselves to him to use his voice because he has a defined throat center in very powerful ways uh, as a leader. And uh, Asim, are you giving me messages? Yes, yeah, she's getting chills too. I love it. Um, okay, so then as we look at the next channel, the 5027, this is a channel of sustenance, as I said. It is the feminine tribal energy. Tribal energy as a circuit in human design has a theme, and its theme is love, very much about love enduring love, finding love, uh, expressing love. And love is expressed in through the feminine energy, as well as through the masculine energy here in this particular circuitry. It also has an ego component, but let's not get caught up into that one. Let's just deal with the defense circuit, which is uh, in the tribal circuitry, of which part of it is the divine feminine energy here. And the divine feminine energy, the theme is love through nurturing, through educating, uh, through feeding, through uh, clothing, through sharing values, reminding people of values, uh, reminding people that where values aren't shared equally, you are not in an equal society. And so the energy here recalls the feminine that wants to make sure everybody in the tribe, in the company or in the community, in the, the country, on the planet is cared for, that has everything that they need, including the educational opportunities to succeed. And this is aura busting energy because the tribal circuitry here is aura busting. 
it busts through like there is no way this man could not have come forward with this message because his aura would have busted through right that he people that have the tribal circuitry in a profound way and he does um especially here in that that one particular channel pushes us to recognize where we are out of alignment with the feminine values here of nurturing and taking care of and making sure there's equal opportunities. So there's no way that his message could have been anything other because this is so profoundly uh, activated in his chart. Uh, what's at gate 50 for him is the sun, his life purpose sun. And at gate 27 is his life purpose Jupiter in the fifth line profile, no less, which means he would be sharing it with the collective as a visionary leader. So he's living out, I'm getting chills again, living out his purpose. And his purpose was divinely feminine in reminding us of the values that nurture not only a group of people, but nurture a living, breathing community, planet, country, et cetera, et cetera. Now, another interesting thing to note is he also had the hanging gate 59. The gate 59 is the gate of sex. Literally, it is sexuality here. And he had uh, Neptune sitting there. And in a hanging gate, that means that it would only play out through uh, the energy of intimacy at gate six. But this is also a gate of intimacy that can turn to war that can turn to battles, that can turn that masculine air that he had uh, into a battle with certain people. So uh, I would say that, you know, in some cases, perhaps people out there carrying the very aura busting gate six were uh, responsible for trying to, for bringing his downfall. And that could have happened in many different ways through sexual liaisons that were possible. I don't know his history around that, uh, but it could also be with triggering the wrong people, uh, the masculine that then would set about to try to bring him down. But that's a hanging gate that would only play out with other people. That's just kind of an aside. But literally almost the entire circuitry of defense uh, Dr. King had. And so his primary message was, the higher ordinary or higher extraordinary energy of love and all that it can bring. Um, the last channel that he has defined here is the 2838. Many of you have this, especially those of you who are uh, born in the 80s and the early 90s as Neptune and uh, Uranus and, uh, the, and Pluto were defining those gates at alternate times through that period. The 2838 is called the channel of meaning. It links the root center of endurance and perseverance to the spleen, which is a center of instincts and survival. And through the channel of meaning, this would give him the endurance uh, to persevere with a message uh, uh, worth something in something that's worth fighting for, uh, envisioning a new possibility, uh, holding true to a vision. And the, the reason this is such a tricky channel is sometimes we get triggered into battles that aren't worth fighting for. But apparently he was uh, enduring with an idea whose time had come and it was worth fighting for. And so it endured. So that new possibility that he had, that envisioning that I have a dream linked by his Ajna connected to his throat center in the 1762. If you watch this energy, it just goes all the way down, 
right? Right from here, the inception of the idea down to the throat and that energy it takes to live that message, to breathe that message to the channel of sustenance. And then over here to the channel, channel of an enduring dream or an endurance of meaning. It is why we are still celebrating Dr. King. It is why we actually have a calendar holiday now uh, for his uh uh, contribution to society. He even had the gate of contribution, gate eight, uh, at his north node. So his north node was as a visionary leader in the fifth line that makes a significant contribution by using his power appropriately. All right, so we can see those themes there. It's very powerful when we can look at a chart and see that. It's always really good in, in, uh, um, Hindsight. So Asa, he was known to have affairs. <laughs> well, that makes sense with the gate 59, very sexual. Uh, question, when you have the black and red stripe in a gate, does that mean to conscious and unconscious agree to work together for that energy of the gate? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, that's a good question because it is definitely giving it more focus because the striping is telling you that there are more that there's more than one planet sitting in that place, which would suggest that there's more focus here. So yes, that would be the conscious and the unconscious, both working uh, hopefully together for the good, uh, but sometimes maybe one or the other being more dominant, likely the unconscious until we choose to rise to the level of the consciousness. That was a great question, whoever asked that question. And if you asked that question, Asa, oh, good question. Uh, Ursula, good morning, I forgot it was Monday. How did you forget it was Monday? Uh, Kathleen Mallory, beautiful. And she says, MLK has direct connection to the throat. Absolutely. The, the channel of the manifesting generator, oops, I guess you won't see that unless I share my screen again. Uh, the manifesting generator channel, uh, the archetype of the manifesting generator, because the man, there are other ways that you can be a manifesting generator. So the, the definition of a manifesting generator is that you have a motor to the throat. There are four motors. The the sacral, the root, the emotional center, and the ego center or the will heart center. If any one of these have energy that makes it up to the throat, it becomes a manifesting generator. And um, if it's not the sacral, the sacral has to be included here. If it's not the sacral, then you're a manifester. But if the sacral's energy makes it to the throat and it can do it in a circuitous way, um, such as this, right? If it went this way and then across this way and then over here and then up, he would still be a manifesting generator, but just not as powerful of one or one that has to work through many different channels. His is a direct power to the throat. And so he was highly activated to bring out his message and to share his work with the world. And likely from a highly educated point of view, I don't know if he, I mean, he's obviously called Dr. King. So he probably had a doctorate in something, uh, whether that was theology or a different subject, I, that I don't know. Uh, Asa, maybe you can find that for me, maybe research real quick for me. Um, what made him a doctor, I don't know, but he was a learned man. And whether he learned it from the outside world or whether he came engaged with it, fully developed within him. I don't know that either, but I would think that he was able to gather all of the pieces and bring them in and uh, speak to them in very powerful ways. So that's kind of fun. I liked doing that. Um, 
let's speak to his astrology a little bit because I, I saw a chart of his, but I didn't like the way it looked and I didn't have time to make my own up. So uh, I, you don't need to see it anyway. There's a couple of themes that I wanted to, that, that jumped out at me uh, in the astrology chart. And one, the very biggest one was his Chiron, which is always the wound, right? That he's carrying invisibly because the, the planet Chiron had not been discovered at the during his life and his times, right? Chiron didn't really bust into our awareness until 1977 to 78 when it was discovered and we started to begin a, to be able to work through the wound. It, it, it occurred to us that there was some wound we were carrying and his wound was a social wound. His wound was connected to Jupiter in the unconscious now because Chiron hasn't been discovered yet. And to me, that's sort of like he carried a social burden. He carried the burden of his ancestry. So when he was speaking, he was speaking through the voices of many people through many times, uh, through many years, and the pain of those people, right? He wasn't just speaking to and carrying the current uh, uh, way that uh, the Black Americans were being treated or Black people in general, African Americans in general, he was carrying and speaking to the burden of all of the experiences of the Black people through slavery, through the Civil War, through Reconstruction, and uh, that never really brought them into equality uh, maybe paid lip service to it, but he was speaking very powerfully from an ancestry that uh, a wound that was being carried in an ancestral sort of way. His moon was in Pisces. And like I said earlier, it was at 19 degrees Pisces, but it, it could have been six degrees before that or six degrees after that. So I'm pretty confident that no matter what his moon would have been in Pisces, the degree is not, you know, sure, but the uh, fact is he had a moon in Pisces, which speaks to love and compassion. And it's not just like, I love you. It is more universal love, right? It's the bigger love in Pisces. It reminds me, us that Neptune is the ruler here. Unconditional love of a universal type, unity, brotherhood, uh, oneness. There's a theme going through here in his astrology chart that was also uh, something that we saw mirrored in his tribal circuitry uh, of his human design chart. And his Saturn. Now Saturn Saturn in an astrology chart shows you where it is that you needed to you need to capture authority, where your worldly self is here, where you have to come in and focus your energy on what it is that would make you authoritative. And I, that, that's a tricky, slippery, slippery slope kind of word because authority, I don't mean that it's authoritative like a dictator type of ship. It is, it is the power that one has to capture their voice, to uh, be their true selves, to live in integrity. And Dr. King's Saturn was in Sagittarius. So it is encapsulating a belief system and uh, upsetting, freeing. Freedom is a theme in, in uh, Sagittarius. So he was fighting an old paradigm or a paradigm that was supposedly shifted, but was it really? 
And so he was seeking freedom here and not just freedom for himself, but freedom for all people. And um, any place that there would have been people that were downtrodden or uh, people who were marginalized, I should have looked at where his heiress was. Uh, but again, heiress wouldn't have been discovered at that point either. Uh, so anyway, he was questioning and fighting an old system and daring to say what needed to be said in honest, blunt terms that uh, would seem to give him an air of authority that some others might have wanted to bring down. And likely that, you know, that's part of, you know, what it played. There's a self-righteousness here that he made that not that he was self-righteous that's not what i mean at all but if you are encapsulating self-righteousness then the karmic mirror would be to show other people where they had been overly self-righteous so um that would have been that karmic mirror he was showing others he was showing um america he was showing white america in specific um and he was also showing black America that you have to take back your own power. You have to rise to this as well as uh, the, the, the righteousness of being white in a country that supposedly was free and had equal rights. So no matter what your skin color was, no matter what your religion, uh, no matter what your political beliefs, right? Everyone was supposed to be equal and had equal rights. So he embodied so much in just his astrology and it's pretty amazing. Uh, he was a doctor of theology. That's what I kind of thought. Thanks Asa for looking that up. He also had a BA in divinity. Uh, so there you have it, right? He was a doctor of theology of, of thought, spiritual thought. So he was a spiritualist at heart, whether that's through religion or his other beliefs. Uh, didn't really matter because he really spoke to um, that part of all of us that resonates with those same key elements, right? Freedom, uh, equality, love, unconditional love. So a great man to be sure, uh, but a man, right? So he also had his more uh, challenging side as we all do. Uh, but what we remember of him, what is enduring from him is the message that he carried to us all, right? I have a dream. Okay, questions or comments? What time do we have here? Almost nine o'clock, I need to get moving on here. Let's see uh, if we can pull a card for the collective for the week. Uh, I'm gonna pull a spirit animal. I feel like we need an animal guide. I feel like we need a power animal. So we're gonna do a power animal for our, our, our week. And let's see where we go here. This deck wants, oh, yeah, yeah. So this one pulled elephant spirit and it was upside down, but get this, learn from the past. Elephant spirit, card number 25, which is a seven. And that's a very high spiritual number. Elephant spirit in protection though, learn from the past. So let's see what that means. Elephant. So protection message. Are you feeling uncomfortable with a tradition, custom, or familiar behavior that no longer fits who you are? 
Do you wish the past could be erased so it could no longer cause you a moment's pain? Elephant Spirit is here to encourage you to write a different story and alter the traditions in ways that acknowledge that we all evolve for transformation is our nature. Elephant Spirit calls you to not be selective in your memory because ignoring the good or the bad will prevent you from growing your wisdom and strength. Build on the best of the past, learn from the worst, and walk into the future with dignity accompanied by Elephant Spirit who remembers the truth and honors your strength and wisdom. Well, I do believe that's sort of the message I started out the broadcast with today. So there we have it. Learn from the past, Elephant Spirit. Isn't she beautiful? I love it. All right. Um, that is it for me this morning. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Don't forget you are also empowered to keep your thoughts and your mind focused on what's possible, beautiful, positive in this world. That in a way helps to alleviate or mitigate some of that more negative, rebellious energy that is also out there. So pray peace, pray love, pray joy. See you all on Friday. Bye for now.